0: Welcome back to another episode of the Takedown Podcast. I am Ethan Harley along with Holden Velasco, as usual. And before we unpack a lot of what happened in UFC over the weekend, especially Saturday night with UFC 259, I thought it'd be best that we touch on the boxing that happened over the weekend. And I'll let Holden start with that news. Yeah, so probably the biggest fight that
1: happened was in women's boxing. I'm not sure if you, I know you tweet uh, tweeted, I know you texted me about it. Uh, you saw Clarissa Shields became the first undisputed champion in two weight divisions which is ridiculous nonetheless it happened on the first ever all-woman pay-per-view card uh, it was called Superwoman which is you know pretty cool um, so yeah obviously it's a big feat in boxing not just women's boxing yeah uh, it's funny because today's International Women's Day too so gotta love that um, now some fight rumors you know you gotta start with Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury Matchrooms Eddie Hearn said to be honest we're just waiting on everyone to sign on and basically saying it's done. You know, everyone's agreed. It's just waiting to put the pen to the paper. Um, So, yeah, you know, biggest, biggest match in boxing. Can't wait for that to happen. I think it's going to happen in Saudi Arabia, I believe. I haven't looked into the location occasion, but, but I saw that it was rumored to be there. So that's good. And then coming up on May 22nd at 8.30 p.m. Eastern ESPN at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Always good to be there. Um, Jose Ramirez versus Josh Taylor for the Undisputed Junior Welterweight Championship. It's going to be a great fight. Um, Ramirez is looking to become the first four belt Mexican undisputed boxing in history, and Josh Taylor is doing the same for, I believe, Switzerland. I forgot the country, it's somewhere in Europe. Blue and white flag, I'm not good at the geography. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good fight. Looking forward to those two. But I know you really want to talk about UFC 259, and so
0: do I. So we can get into that. I'll let you get the first Uh, one. There is. First off, thank you for sharing the boxing news. That definitely clarifies a lot of things that I was curious about because you know I do see these things on social media because I do follow some accounts and I am just you know a little bit confused because you know we had multiple conversations about this before. It's you know kind of everything's all over the place. So it's nice to be able to come on here and for you to clarify all those things. As I get one step closer to understanding the full realm of boxing and on the same level as you do. But yeah saturday night was insane and yeah. i will just quickly touch on i'll just touch on some people who succeeded some early wins in the prelims obviously the prelims was super stacked for what the prelims usually is so these were pretty key wins for all people kai car france oscar Askov, kyla phillips and dominic cruz all big wins for people who are in the rankings who were at least for Askar and and Kaikar France are now kind of in the contender picture, just because it's the flyweight division, which is known to be super thin. But let's unpack this main card. Obviously, little disappointed in Rokic versus Santos. That was like a guaranteed banger, and it just wasn't. Both guys seemed very cautious. Nonetheless, Rokic, who is an up-and-comer Got the win and a three-round decision. It'll be interesting to see what's next in terms of... So it's pretty clear that Glover Teixeira is the next person that Jan Blahovic would fight. I would think he could potentially... I'm thinking he could fight the winner of Dominic Reyes versus... Oh, pronouncing this name. Jiri... Proshatska? i totally butchered that not close <laughs> enough <laughs> yeah number five in light heavyweight uh versus number three in light heavyweight i believe that fight is scheduled for sometime in may i think that makes a lot of sense for rocket especially well he's he stayed at four since oh the new rankings aren't out yet they will come out i believe later today They would have come out yesterday when you guys have heard this, so I assume Rakhic will have a two beside his name, and that makes a lot of sense. Islam Makachev is a legitimate lightweight contender. I think it's crazy. Now, I didn't send you this, so... He called out Tony Ferguson afterwards, and they have tried to schedule Habib versus Ferguson forever, and then Habib... or. Ferguson lost to Gaethje, then lost to Olivera, so now that's kind of out of the picture. But for me, I feel like it's almost like Habib's camp is playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers by sending like the dude who's like known as Habib 2.0 to fight somebody who has been calling out on fighting Habib for the longest time, even after he lost to Gaethje. And I believe even after he lost to Oliveira, he's still calling out Habib because they've scheduled a fight <laughs> at least five or six times and they never got to it. And the most recent time was, you know, right after the start of COVID when, you know, it was Gatesy who came in because, you know, COVID limited travel and Habib just chose to not come. The rest is kind of history from there. But I think now it'll be interesting because going back to Makashev he, you know, dominated Drew Dober in dramatic fashion. We'll see what's next. You know, Tony Ferguson makes a lot of sense. I also think Daryush makes a lot of sense as well. Also coming off a big win against Ferreira a couple weeks ago, but now we get to the real drama. Piotr Jan versus Aljamain Sterling. Piotr Jan was winning at least, you could easily say all three rounds. I think realistically it was a, it was two to one, but it, it was clearly going in Jan's favor. And I forget how and there were there were multiple times where Sterling ended up on the ground and he stayed there because he wanted to bait Jan and do his own game, but Jan was smart and just kicked him and then eventually Sterling got up. I believe that's what happened this time. And on his way up, Jan was to push the pace so Sterling just stayed on one knee and, and referee Mark Smith said he was grounded. And. Apparently there was some mix up between, you know, the coaches and Jan in terms of, I think Jan asked, like, what should I do? And they said strike, and I guess somehow uh, he thought of a knee, which is clearly illegal, and that's what he did. He put full force into a knee straight to Sterling's head, likely giving him a serious con- concussion, and that ends up in a DQ do you have any thoughts?
1: Yeah, you know, obviously, I was rooting for Mr. Funkmaster. You know, he's from Uniondale. Uh, I grew up uh, in New Hyde Park, so it was a few miles there, and I have a lot of good friends from there, Uniondale. Very close place to me. I love them. So obviously, I was rooting for him. I think he put on too much pressure, you know, in the beginning. He started to lose stamina, and you could tell. Obviously, he wanted to get on the ground, and y'all knew that. Like you said, he played it smart. He just stood there and started kicking him a bit. Remember at one point he just walked away, (laughs) and the the ref had to stand them up. Yeah, I mean, apparently they said should I kick him, and he said and they said yes, and oh my god, that was I thought he was dead. He his head went back full force, came back up full force, and then went back again. When he he couldn't even stand up. I remember he like tried to get up with just his arms, not even fully stood up, and he just didn't. He fell right back down. It was terrifying maybe even scarier is there's no fans so you can hear everyone whispering and hearing the ref whisper i think we're gonna need to call this and stuff like this and the doctor him and oh so eerie um but yeah i don't i get why he doesn't want the belt i mean you didn't win you weren't winning that fight you weren't completely out of it but you weren't winning that fight so obviously i'd like to see them fight again but then the issue is like i don't know the division you know how the ranks are but then the problem is the people that were behind them, what
0: happens to them. Yeah, so I could definitely touch on that. So the people behind them, the at least legitimate contenders were TJ Dillashaw, who's coming, who's a former champ coming off a two-year suspension for very hard steroids, was expected to get a top contender, and the other top contender is Corey Sanhagen, who after losing to Aljame Sterling in a very quick fashion, which then set up sterling for almost a year later to you know fight on saturday had two very dramatic wins over marlon rice which resulted in a spinning head kick and then frankie edgar which was the flying knee that put edgar to sleep literally not even remembering who he was supposed to fight so Danis talked about setting those two up to fight each other which you know makes sense but now you know the timeline is obviously off because you know there was expected to be a new undisputed champion and you know while there is (laughs) it obviously happened in a fashion that is not normal and now kind of results in a rematch so i think that really screws over the winner of dillashaw versus sanhagen So that really kind of makes things interesting because of that, and, you know, obviously it's Monday morning, not much has been said in terms of, you know, what's going to happen, but it, it'll probably be a while, especially, you know, Aljamain with a serious concussion, and I'm sure it wants to take some time off.
1: <laughs> serious concussion might be an understatement, honestly. I mean, when they were announcing the winner, he had to have two people holding him up. It, it was terrifying. I mean, this is the first full main card of UFC I've ever watched. And I got a treat to say, because this, I believe, right, this is the first time in UFC history a belt has ever changed hands by yeah. disqualification. For it. So, yeah, that's obviously something that's never happened before. and That to be my first card, I can see that. I mean, it's dope, but obviously you don't like to see it in this fashion because I don't know how that man's going to fight. <laughs> I mean, obviously Will is a fighter, but oh my God, was. It was terrifying especially watching it back in slow motion and just he just started crying like out of nowhere yeah
0: and oh it's God. it's it funny because stuff. i see a decent amount of people on the internet saying he was acting because right after he went out tweeting you know not how i wanted to win you know like a, a an expected response What and tj dillashaw called him out on acting and then Sterling responded saying, you did some of the hardest steroids in the game. Look at you. You're a clown. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: didn't
0: know there was such a thing as light
1: steroids. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, obviously, who, as a competitor, who wants to win in that way? Regardless of sport. Nobody.
0: Yeah, but, like, you're, you're not going to say no to the belt.
1: Yeah. Obviously. If, if the ref's going to put it around your waist, you're going to do that. But he took it yeah. right off after and just threw it to the ground. I mean... I, I don't blame him. Yeah. I would be upset too. Obviously, yay, yeah, yeah, I'm the champion. That's great. But you didn't actually win it. It may be around your waist, but you didn't win it. And I think he only... also
0: knew that he was fatigued in round four and that, you know, in a sense, you know, the flying or the knee, the illegal knee kind of bailed him out. But I mean, still unhappy, not satisfied. He knew he pushed the pace too early and that he was gassed by the fourth round which you know you still have a whole round to go and Piotr Jan is a guy who's known to pick you apart and take his time and we've seen that in prior fights most recently Jose Aldo which was sheer dominance and that happened I believe in the second or third round where you know eventually Jan figured it out pushed the pace and just you know ended it in dominant fashion. Yeah I mean obviously
1: it's the fight game, so you can never say you're completely out of it. Because let's say he gets a takedown and gets him to the ground, you know? Obviously, he has a much better chance there than standing up with Jan. But the fight was pretty much going in a way that Sterling did not like. So I don't want to say it bailed him out, but it certainly gave him better odds
0: at winning than if the fight could do yeah, normally. Absolutely. Now let's jump to the co-main event, which has also sort of drama written all over it while it's super short and just sheer and utter domination from from Amanda Nunez to defend her featherweight belt will there even be a featherweight belt in the near future I don't think so I think while Amanda has obviously fought at 145 to get the belt I think her fighting megan anderson was her first true featherweight opponent and and i mean that by i don't think you know her previous contenders or i don't think megan anderson will ever go down to 135 like other people like other contenders she has fought at 145 can which was probably the biggest question going into this fight and obviously it it, it didn't matter i mean it was right right off the bat it It was no chance for megan anderson and you know while we talked about it last week that was her final fight on her contract and you know there's the question was what what the hell would happen if she would win she would have no contract and she would be an undisputed champion but now you know i think it's pretty clear that 145 is going to go away yeah, I mean that fight. <laughs> um,
1: dominance isn't even the word I would use. Utter, complete destruction. Martian Ray pointed at the Earth. I mean, it was it was bad. You could just see the fear in Anderson's eyes. After that first hit, it's just her eyes wide open, literally, literally and figuratively. Um, you know, in the end, when she stumbled moving forward, I mean, you could you, you knew it was over. I mean, obviously, I haven't watched many Nunes' fights. i watch watched highlights because she's the goat or the quote, you know, with a little W put in there, <laughs> as people say. <laughs> um, but that was just another experience. I mean, I can't speak, you know, on the division as much, but on Nunes individually, I mean, she's just a whole league above everyone else. If Anderson was that fight, that could be somewhat challenging to her, and that was the yeah, result. there
0: was definitely, you know, obviously the odds going and spoke for themselves but there was definitely a question of you know what can Nunes do against a true 145 pounder because i mean you saw the height difference it was at least a couple of inches but that didn't matter one bit and you know for amateur fans who don't understand you know are kind of getting into this and you know need an explanation to put it at the bottom line there are no rankings for 145 that's how thin the division is they they don't even have enough fighters to make rankings where getting a number beside your name shows how talented you are because that that's probably the entire division. You could probably, it's probably made up, probably not even of 15 women at 145 and Mananuna's either she's beat them or they are just like, there's just no reason. Like these women are just not on her level and or not even at the level to be. A serious contender for the belt that makes sense to put on a pay-per-view card because that's what nunez deserves then the question becomes what does nunez do move up down yeah she'll definitely i mean it's also weird because i'm pretty sure i saw a couple weeks ago the ufc scheduled another fight at 145 between felicia spencer and i forget the other person gonna look that up right now And Felicia Spencer was the last person who, Danielle Wolfe, May 20th, 2021. Yeah, which is even more confusing because that's who Nunes last fought at 145. And again, beat in five rounds of just sheer dominance. So I don't even know what's what's gonna happen now. I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, she'll very likely go back down. But I mean, in in again, in terms of the level that Nunez is on, I don't think even at 135, anyone has a clear shot of beating her any 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 time. Even getting an opportunity to beat her any any time soon is just way out of the picture right now. Hey, just keep fighting, keep taking his money. You gotta love it. Yeah, it's <laughs> just. Yep, that's kind of <laughs> what it's been broken down to at this point. Uh, free money, free money. <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind of like uh, Yeldrum last week. What it just kind of looked like, where he just showed up for what looked like just a paycheck. I mean, he he was literally a human punching bag. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. pretty bad one too. Now, let's talk about the main event, oh, man. Oh, man. which touches oh, man. me personally oh, because Adesani is one of my favorite fighters, but I will be unbiased as I can. Yamahobich wins in a five round decision. I thought the takedowns at the end of the last two rounds were planned. I thought that was their plan going in because... Oh yeah. Adasani's a kickboxer. They wanted to wait until his legs were gassed because he usually liked a lot as a kickboxer. And clearly it worked not only because his legs were gassed, but there was a clear weight difference because Adesanya was fighting at his natural weight at around 200 pounds. So he weighed in coming in as, and Jan Blahovic had come in cutting down to 205. So, I mean, he could have easily put back on 20 pounds within a day and that showed I mean Adesanya not get off the ground I mean once when he once when he was on the ground I mean that was it
1: yeah it was it was uh, it was interesting I, you know I went on UFC.com took the stats you know because I wanted to see how long they were in control for it, but I also wanted to look at the significant strikes which I'm sure we'll talk about later but Adesanya was only in control according to the stats for one second on the grounds one second Yamhovich, seven minutes and six seconds uh, oh my god like you said the weight difference was completely clear I mean it was like he was just laying on top of him just moving side to side holding him at one point it looks like Adesanya was closing his eyes probably praying I mean it was bad um yeah, but it's a smart thing to do. It might not be fun to watch, but it's a smart thing to do, and it won him the fight.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, there was, you know, especially in the early rounds, not a lot of activity. It was more of a feeling round process where either those, either of those rounds in the first two could have gone to either one of them. And, you know, at the end of the fight, you know, that was the question, did Adesanya win all three? And I thought it was a very slim chance, and, you know, the scorecard said otherwise, which we'll get into, but... I mean, it, 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 they were... Four and five were definitive Blahovich rounds, and that's what he needed to win because I mean it was you know, judges can be weird all night, and we'll we'll get into that right now. So what I'll I'll start, you know, there's always been a problem with the Nevada State Commission in terms of how they score these fights. It's it's always something all over the place. I'll start with, you know, the featured prelim, which was Dominic Cruz and Casey Keeney. I believe if i'm remembering correctly so it ended in a split decision for cruz so i thought it should have won the fight but the way they split it up or at least what these what these three judges saw i forget what one of them saw but i remember hearing one of them give two rounds to one to, to keeney and then the other giving off three rounds to Dominic Cruz. I mean, that, that just seems off because uh, while it was a close fight and it was you know, a back and forth battle, I don't know what kind of, what kind of thoughts go through your mind. If you're all coming from like the same place. So where you think one guy won the fight by one round while the other won all three rounds, it doesn't just doesn't make sense. And you know there have been instances of this before. You know, most significant one I can think of was Holloway versus Wlochowski, where you know Holloway dropped him in the first and the second, giving him those two rounds definitively, but then. he ends up losing the fight somehow, some way, because he still kept up the pace and it didn't really make a lot of sense for Volkanovsky, who, you know, while staying in the fight because it went to decision, you know, wasn't really definitive in rounds that he won as to Holloway in the first and the second. But, you know, Holloway ended up losing that fight. But let's break down this main event scoring from the other night because, I mean, I I've kind of lost in terms of, like, what exactly... Counts for what? So, two, two of the judges for round five gave Blahovitch a 10-8. Now, if I'm remembering correctly, I believe Blahovic had more control time on the ground in the fourth than the fifth. And all three gave Blahovitch a 10-9 round for the fourth, which, you know, makes sense. Got the takedown, and, you know, that was all she said. But... The, the thing to me is that if you have less control time in the fifth round, how does that make that a more dominant round than the round beforehand? That, that just doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Well, I think what it was is like the last half minute of the fight, uh, the round rather, he was just. Yeah, he eventually got into full assignment. mount in like the last 15 yeah, seconds. That's what I'm saying. He got a full mount and just absolutely hammered him. And that was like, there was no point in the fight where it's like, okay, this guy's getting hammered. This dude is getting lit up. And that was the only time that yeah. happened in the fight. So I think that's why they gave him, you know, obviously a bigger lead. Is it enough to dictate a whole point? I don't know. But I think it's the way the fight was, that they're like, okay, this deserves a point. So that's why I yeah, think yeah usually
0: that but again, I'm not a... Yeah, you know, usually a 10-8 is more of like, either the, the whole, you start to finish the five minutes. I mean, you're just pounding the guy to the point where it should be finished, but the guy is just right, like literally one step ahead of, that's a bad analogy. Literally like one step away from getting the fight called as a TKO. That didn't happen. For, for 15, if those 15 seconds happen for most of the round, absolutely that's a 10 8. But not for the final 10 seconds where Blojovic finally gets in full mount and, you know, ends the round on top of him just hammer fisting the shit out of him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's, I don't know. And just the, the scorecards in general were super weird for, 49 46. I mean that—that's unheard of. It's—I don't know, man. I don't know. I—I I mean, thankfully they didn't really screw over any general decisions. But I mean, when you when you break down these scorecards, it's just—it's kind of just all over the place in there. You know, I'm obviously no expert, but you know, from what I've—I've I've watched a lot of fights and what I've seen get called ten eights and what I've seen get called. 10 nines i i didn't think there was any you know clear definitive 10 eight rounds in this fight and a lot of people would agree with me i would assume it just i don't know something just seems off because this is this has been an issue before and you know again thankfully no one's decision got screwed over screwed over like max holloway did but it, it's just it's it's a little concerning because you know one day someone's gonna bite the bullet pretty soon when they mess this up because you know their rules aren't clear because the other thing is 10 eight rounds are usually across the board like it's it's pretty clear like it I, it's way easier to decide if a round is 10, is is 108 for somebody than who won the round in general unless it was like seriously seriously clear but it's just I don't know. I'm kind of just babbling at this point. It just, it just doesn't. The doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That's the bottom line.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm gonna go to basketball because obviously you know basketball is the sport I'm the best. The, the the problem with judges and referees, you know, I'll put problem in quotes because I don't want to sound like I'm just screaming at the hills like an old man. Get off my lawn. Um, they're human. And each individual person sees something as different, you know? Whereas one ref may see a reach and veil, another is going to see, oh, he's just playing defense. And the same thing can apply to combat sports, you know? So each judge is going to see something differently. Though the rules may say one thing definitively, like, this is a foul, this dictates this score. Each person has their own predetermined thought of what is that specific call or score so it's going to vary from fight to fight from game to game again i'm not saying replace everyone with the robots but i'm also going to say that's part of the sport and like you said as long as it doesn't absolutely screw over somebody okay fine will it happen? obviously no one's perfect no one expects someone to be perfect that's just not realistic
0: Yeah, that's fair. I was going to ask, is this, has this been a problem in boxing and all to like the degree where it's like, you know, obviously sometimes, you know, they mess up one or two fights where you look at a scorecard and it's like, that's confusing. But like, like, has this ever been like a constant problem where there's always like one fight on a card where you can pick out and it's like, that's weird scoring or even as far as that guy was robbed of a win. (laughs)
1: Well, yes, but with boxing, it's a bit different because, you know, it's one of the oldest sports in the world. But it is obviously also historically very, uh, let me put this lightly. It was involved with the mafia a lot. And, (laughs) and, you know, in the past, especially, there's been a lot of fixes. So it's happened in recent memory. It has happened because, like I said, people are human. They're not going to get everything right are perfect in your eyes, debatably of course. So it happens in combat sports. It's just, boxing is a bit different because of the background, the historical background it came up in. But yes, it does happen. But like I said, it happens both ways. Someone gets screwed over, maybe they get it next, they get a a little bit of health next fight.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I just think it's mafia getting involved and
1: Have you ever seen the Phantom Punch? No. Muhammad Ali versus Sonny Liston. You absolutely know the photo. It's the most iconic photo of Muhammad Ali of him flexing over the oh, dude yeah, on the yeah, ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll send you the link after. It's called the Phantom Punch. You'll see why. Um, people have called it fixed. You know, it's funny enough. My doctor, who was old enough to be around then, there said, "Uh, his cousin's friend or something who's like a millionaire at a company said, uh, it was fixed." You know, according to him. So I don't know how reliable of a source you want to say that is, but um, the rumors of it being fixed are there. When you see it for yourself, you definitely That's know. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: was funny. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but... let's break down this final portion of the main event in terms of what's next. I think. I think this conversation, this part of the conversation, would have been a lot more cooler to talk about if Adesanya had won. And now, you know, he's he's a <laughs> Two division champ, and you know, does he stay? Does he go down? But I think it's pretty simple now. Pluhovic is going to fight Glover Teixeira. Who was actually he was who was actually the backup fighter. I don't know if you saw that. Um, sometimes I do it for extremely rare events. Michael Chandler was the backup for Gaethje versus Habib, but it's obviously pretty clear. You know, Glover Teixeira had a pretty convincing win over Tiago Santos, I believe, sometime back in October or November. So yeah, that you know that'll definitely be the next fight scheduled. I believe I saw six six months down the line. Flohvich said he wants to time himself. Obviously, rest is a big thing, and spending time with his family. Adesanya, I think it's pretty simple too. Costa versus Whitaker, who he both he well, who he has both beaten in convincing fashion. Are scheduled to fight sometime in April or May. So he'll likely fight the winner of that because they are still one and two middleweight contenders. But I don't see Adesanya never trying this again. Because I think he gets to a point where, you know, he'll likely clean out the division again. He did it once. He can easily do it again. He's already fought all these guys and beat most of them. Unless someone seriously stores up the rankings in the next two, three years, which Marvin Vittori has, but Adesanya also beat Marvin Vittori. So I don't think, you know, I, I think it's very likely that he ends up in the same situation where he cleans out the division and he says, I need a tougher opponent. And he moves up to light heavyweight, which maybe we'll hope it's end, or it could be somebody else. It, it'll be interesting to see
1: yeah uh the interview after the fight you know he was asked if this is a one-off he said it's not um I, he's definitely going to move down that's without a question he'll definitely return to light every week though
0: yeah did you see any of the john jones trolling so no, there was there were assuming is he had one on saturday there were rumors that there was going to be a super fight between Jon Jones and Adesanya because Adesanya would have taken Jon Jones' belt. They also have bad blood, and you know this and that. It was it was going to be like one of the biggest events the UFC could put on. Obviously, Adesanya lost, so that's very unlikely to happen. Jon Jones is moving up to heavyweight, where he'll fight the winner of the next pay per view. But this and that, all over the place. John Jones did some serious serious trolling after the fight because obviously it's pretty clear that he is not a big fan of Adesanya the one tweet I'm thinking of off the top of my head was that he said if anyone thought this if you ever wrote if you ever wrote me talky shit about is he beating me slap yourself um there's definitely more.
1: <laughs>
0: I love that. There's definitely Dare more. Dare <laughs> to be great. Good job, kid. The greatest striking MMA has ever seen. This shit needs to stop already. People so quick to to jump on a hype train. <laughs> here's some here's um. Someone tweeted, like, your new wallpaper, and it's Izzy getting smashed in the face by Bilhovich. And John Jones tweeted, excuse me for enjoying this a little too much. These these cartoon fans been talking crazy. Seems like everyone worried about me. Can't get past what's in front of them. Weird. And then he also posted some stuff on Instagram, <laughs> which is now... It was on his Instagram story, so it's been 24 hours since then, but... Yeah, I mean, I think I'm definitely <laughs> a little disappointed that, that 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 fight is not going to happen. I thought that would be obviously something they could put on for the summertime when hopefully they can have full stadiums, first card backs since in almost an over a year at the time where they will have fans at the event. Obviously now seems more it seems more unlikely i don't rule it out completely because i do think adesanya will be put in a position where he has to move up to light heavyweight again which might then draw out john jones to move down but that's ufc 259 we've unpacked a ton there was also a little bit extra news this weekend hamza chimaev who was actually scheduled to fight again this weekend we'll talk about that card Unexpectedly retired, which I was extremely shocked. However, Dana says it was an emotional decision. The dude has been dealing with COVID-19 forever. His lungs are shot. He can't train without being completely gassed in, you know, a day. I kind of believe that it was, you know, an emotional decision. He was scheduled to fight... The last card of the year, so like late December, then again in early January, and then now this upcoming weekend, which his opponent has finally been replaced, because they've been they've been holding on to this fight like <laughs> a little kid forever. Like I said, I think it's an emotional decision and wish the best for Chimaiv. I hope he doesn't actually retire. I think I could definitely see him. Realistically, see him being a top Lots of Week contender and maybe even a champ one day if he is really that good enough to beat Kamaru Usman. Yeah, you hate seeing people retire like that, you know.
1: But I think it's different from like Habib's retirement, obviously. Habib retired for his dad, essentially. And I hate that White is trying to draw him out of retirement because, like, let him and his memory of his dad rest in peace. But it's different with you know, being affected by COVID, you can't fight right now. If your lungs are shot, forget about it. So, will he come back? That's going to be up to him and his body. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, you want to see everyone possible fight. You want to see all the greats, potential greats, let me say, fight.
0: So, if it happens, that's great. If not, thank you. Yeah, you know what I mean? I think, you know, it's definitely interesting because COVID is still – a pretty much unknown disease I mean these are world-class athletes and they're still and the the effects it's showing are serious but then there are some people who are completely asymptomatic and you know don't even realize that they have it you know I could think of Cody Garbrandt who had it and he said I believe he had blood clots somewhere in his body again like these are world-class athletes like dealing with these extremely serious side effects from COVID-19 but then there are also some people who test positive and it's like Guy, like
1: they do, like, like random people, like, not even world class athletes, just like your average Joe, like my neighbor. Like, they're fine, like, they'll, they'll cough a little bit, but they'll be good. I mean, COVID's such a weird thing. I don't know if you remember, like, in the beginning, you know, it was like, oh my god, like, what the hell is going on? We don't know anything, it's terrifying. And now it's basically year in, and we know stuff, obviously, but we don't know the whole picture of it, which yeah. is terrifying. And to see a fighter retire because of it, essentially, oh, yeah, He'd hate to see Clearly it. Clearly,
0: it must be serious. But Shamiyev did come to the United States. The UFC did offer him treatment with some of the world's best doctors. So we'll see what happens. But COVID practically forced an athlete to retire, and not even like someone who was like, you know, right on like the last leg like, of a career. I mean, Shamiyev was sword i mean over the summer he was like one of the most hyped prospects and he he got they scheduled a fight for him with the number three contender in welterweight and he was unranked like that's how fast he was he yeah he was when they scheduled that fight way back in early november he was unranked while leon edwards is still and at the time the number three welterweight that's how fast this guy was heading up, and that transitions perfectly to our last topic, which is next UFC card this Saturday, March 13th, Leon Edwards versus below Muhammad. Already talked about it earlier. Obviously, this was supposed to be the fight that Chimaev fought on, but that has they finally let go, which I'm glad they did because while wow, there's all this stuff with Chimaev retiring. Being one of the most soaring prospects in the UFC, I think it's been almost two years. It's definitely been more than a year since Edwards has fought, and he's been on a fight win streak. His last loss was to Usman a long time ago. One eight since. He clearly just wants to get back in the octagon because I think he's right there for a rematch against Usman. Both have come a long way since their last fight obviously Leon has won eight cents huge deal and he fights below Muhammad who fought on one of the prior cards in 2021 dominant win and it made all the sense he stepped up props to both of these guys Leon willing you know he could have easily been like oh who is this guy why do I want to fight him and put my number three on the line but clearly you know he just wants to get back in which makes all the sense I think you know he needs a fight and Belil who's willing to, to put his very nice 18-3 record on the line to fight one of the most underrated welterweights in the division. Holden, any thoughts?
1: Big names sound cool. I don't know any of them. <laughs> you, know, you know, I don't know UFC like that. <laughs> uh, but you know, obviously, I appreciate you telling me the backstory and all that because it gives me actual insight into the fight, like going into two fifty nine. Besides Adesanya, I didn't, and and Amanda Nunez, I didn't, I didn't know anyone. Are you kidding me? But then, you know, obviously, we had our podcast, so you talked about the story, and then I started watching it, and You know, all the promo videos, like "This is our time," or, or like. You gotta be great or something like that. Then okay, this is cool. I get the fight that's going on. Um, so that's that's well, that's one reason why I love this podcast because you educate me on this on that. I can't tell his name again. <laughs> I didn't know anyone you just said, and then I can do the same for boxing. Um, but yeah, I'll probably catch it. Um, I know like two fifty nine was an unprecedented amazing card with just the talent on it, and even I know yeah. that. <laughs> So 250, uh, 260 might be underwhelming in that sense, but no matter what, it's still fighting. Yeah, well,
0: 260, fights. we can break down what they've already announced. Rematch of Stephen Miocic versus Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou, one of the most dangerous men on the planet. One-punch power, we've seen it. His last fight against Jarzino Rochenswijk literally started and finished with Ngannou just swinging, just And getting one to hit. One down. Dude sat on his ass. And that was it. Huge deal. Sipe Miocic, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. Won the trilogy. That name I know. I know that name. (laughs) Won the trilogy (laughs) against Daniel Cormier. That was his last fight. I mean, just... I don't even know. What, I don't even know what to say for Stipe. Just, I mean, he's on a whole different level. He's fought some of the baddest men on the planet. He already beat Francis once, and you know, props to Francis for working his way back up. He deserves this rematch. Winner of this fight is expected to fight John Jones, which will also be a huge deal, regardless of who comes out of this. You know, Stipe is sort of on the back end of his career, so age is definitely a question. But nonetheless, Stipe, his mental mind is incredible i mean to go in and keep a for and keep a game plan for five rounds and not panic stay in control and get the job done is insane we saw that against Dan, daniel cormier tw- three times it'll certainly be a good fight and then a second title fight which doesn't usually happen that often i mean we were lucky last last saturday we got three this time we get two volkanovsky versus ortega Obviously, first fight for Volkanovski since coming off an extremely, extremely controversial win against Max Holloway over the summer against Ryan Ortega, the number two featherweight contender. Ortega coming off a huge win against Korean Zombie in September, October, sometime around then. Obviously, I think most fans want Ortega to win because they would like to see Holloway then get a rematch against Ortega who Holloway has beaten. And then Holly gets the belt again because that's what people truly believe. But it'll be a very good fight. I think both men prime of their careers. It'll be interesting how this fight goes. We'll talk about it more. That again, this all of this all of this is on March 27th. Then we got Tyron Woodley versus Vincent Luke. Luke Lee, I'll just say Lee K or Luke I I don't know. I should know this. Tyron Woodley. Former welterweight champion Vincent, one of them, another up and coming prospect. And then we have one of my favorite underrated fighters, Sean O'Malley. You might have heard of him. He has smoked weed with Snoop Dogg. Not many people can say that.
1: <laughs> He's automatically my favorite <laughs> fighter
0: now. Yeah. Well, the guy is has a crazy, crazy backstory, you know, rainbow hair. Um, all that! Follow Dana White's good. Contender Series. One, <laughs> one punch knock, multiple one punch knockouts. He fights Thomas Omidia, who I believe has lost is has lost his last three. But this has been O'Malley's first fight since his first loss of his career to Cheeto Vera. That's all they have announced right now. I'm sure there'll be a lot more. That's obviously four fights. I mean, there's some stuff on. Yeah, Google doesn't have a lot at the moment because the full official card has been announced. They got a full two or three weeks to get that done. But yeah, we are approaching 50 minutes. That is all the time we have for today. Really enjoyed the second episode. We are going places. I feel myself getting better at this. And we got a new yes, logo. We do. we do have a new logo. From Ethan Harley to Holden Velasco, we will see you next week. Peace.